morning, everybody. My name is Wendy Irwin. Today's Old Testament reading is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 42, beginning at verse 1. Here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be crushed until he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands wait for his teaching. Thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people upon it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people a light to the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to idols. See, the former things have come to pass. And new things I now declare before they spring forth, I tell you of them. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's gospel reading is from the Good News according to Matthew, chapter 3, beginning at verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, Suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. The Gospel of Christ. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Lord, your Spirit descended on the waters at the beginning of creation, and you created the space for stable life. Your spirit descended on Jesus in his baptism and marked him as your beloved son. We pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you might hear your word to us, claiming us as your own. And in doing so, you bring us life. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So for those of you who don't know, this past year St. George's started this thing called The Way. It's our spiritual formation process where a couple dozen people have been gathering Sunday nights to share a meal and listen to the Bible together. It's been building community, it's been building <coughs> friendships and building faith. And I can't speak for everyone, but from my vantage point, it's been awesome. It's been great and it's still open to join. So speak to me after church. There's also a sign-up sheet if you'd like to know more. And the group is meeting again, again tonight after a long Christmas hiatus. About half of our participants will begin discerning whether or not to continue in the process through the season of Lent towards Easter, where they will either be baptized or renew their baptisms as disciples of Jesus, if they've been baptized at some other point in their lives, whether as children or as adults. And who'd have thought it? Our reading to begin this leg of the process is Jesus' own baptism by John. How fortuitous, we could say, or providential to be a little bit more theologically correct. You might remember from about a month ago that John is out baptizing crowds of people by the banks of the Jordan River. Crowds come to confess and to pledge to repent, which is to turn away from their old lives of sin, and John dunks them in the river, and they're forgiven, and they turn towards the life of righteousness, all in the hopes that they will escape the coming wrath, to get their lives in order before the righteous judgment of God, washing off all the muck and the mud of human brokenness. So people come to John for a nice, clean, fresh start, you know, new year, new you, that sort of thing. One that hopefully sticks, one that will hopefully continue on into the future before it's too late for them. Now, lately, I've read about John and his throng of confessors, and I can't help but see myself in that crowd. I can't help but remember my own baptism. It wasn't by the banks of a river, and it wasn't in response to intense teaching like John, but back in March of 2007, my future wife, Cheyenne, and I, in our early 20s, sat in a circle on some metal folding chairs in the rather musty library of Knox United Church in downtown Calgary. A few months prior, we filled out membership forms and we placed them in the church's offering plate only to get a phone call, you know, from the minister saying, uh, have you been baptized? And we said, no. And he said, oh, oh, like he was surprised that anybody of our age was even considering membership, let alone baptism. Neither of us had been baptized at that point and we just kind of liked the church and wanted to get involved, fill out the form, boom, there you go, we're in. So they were about there, we were there about an hour before the church service with about a half dozen people, ages 20 to 75. It was one of the two or three sessions for people preparing for baptism for themselves and their children. And I don't remember a lot about that. I don't remember a lot in general, but I don't remember a lot about that day. But I remember just kind of, you know, doing the church thing, going around the circle, each of us answering a question. And the question was something like, so why baptism at this time for you? Or something like that. And uh, one dad 
there, who was having his daughter baptized, said something like, uh, her being born made him want to be a good father. You know? And then there was this lovely old hippie grandma telling us about how her eyes has been had been opened in the ecological crisis, that she'd even switched all her light bulbs to complex fluorescence that weekend. I thought, you might be too young to know what compact, compact fluorescence are even now. Remember those? But baptism to her represented an ever-deepening commitment to do good in the world. And you know, when it came to me, of course, my reply was something vague, like, I want to commit to being a better person. I mean, you could pretty sure that everybody around the circle looked at me and thought, oh, we have a future theologian in the room. <laughs> My goodness. I want to hear more of what this guy has to say every Sunday. <laughs> now, at this point, you might recognize a pattern of sorts in each answer, though each of us had obviously different goals. And we're at way different places in our lives. Baptism seemed to represent our desire to be better. Our desire to be better. Better dads, better environmentalists, better people in general. I mean, it was far less exciting, far less threatening and urgent, but like those perched on the sand in the banks of the Jordan with John, we were all perched on those metal folding chairs seeking some kind of a new start. From this point on, we were going to do our best to live life differently. Baptism was a ritual symbolizing our commitment to be more faithful, our commitment ultimately to do our best to be better, to get better. Now, I'll be honest, this newfound commitment <laughs> did not last long. Um, I mean, the fact that I thought of things in very vague terms was very helpful for me, of course. We did start recycling, I mean, at that time. <laughs> I mean, that's just because the city of Calgary started recycling, I think, but I guess that counts as becoming a better person in some fashion. Um, but funny enough, though, there was no real drastic change. Cheyenne and I actually became less committed to the church for a while. After that, we didn't really take up any new disciplines of prayer or Bible reading. I mean, it was a United Church, so today church, not very much, not always. But it was actually a time of reduced commitment rather than renewed commitments. If baptism meant committing to turn away from sin and becoming a brand new person, then I just didn't get much better. If that's what baptism meant, then I guess it either didn't work on me, or it didn't really stick in my, in me, on me in particular. Now, <laughs> obviously something has changed between now and then. Um, I mean, after all, I'm standing before you dressed in something resembling a baptismal gown on a day called the Baptism of Jesus. I baptize people of all ages, and we've got a whole program that I mentioned that rotates around baptism. And I mean, wouldn't it be a funny surprise if I just said, considering baptism? Yeah, skip it. <laughs> now, because obviously something has changed between then and then and now. And what's really changed, really, thing that's changed is my fundamental understanding of the Christian faith. That is what has changed over time. And that thing is that Christianity isn't primarily about our ability 
do stuff. Doing stuff is good. Please don't, don't uh, misunderstand me. Obedience to uh, Jesus' way is important and good and helpful. But it took me to go to seminary, going to seminary and having great teachers and mentors to realize this. I mean, I wish I discovered this at church in a pew when I'm there. But Christianity isn't first about our ability to be better or to do better. But who would have thought Christianity is first and foremost about God? <laughs> about God and God's goodness to us. Even when it's a new year and you're the same old you. Back to John in the crowds by the river. John's calling everyone to repent and turn around. And he's shocked to find Jesus there. After all, according to the Gospels, Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah, the Son of God, or in the words of the Nicene Creed, true God from true God, begotten, not made. The Bible and Christian teaching maintain that as God in the flesh, Jesus is sin-free. The letter to the Hebrews says that Jesus is 100% human, like us in all ways, yet without sin. And John knows it, so he's a little stunned to see Jesus counting, and, you know, Jesus comes and he takes his, his uh, number in the long line among the rabble, and Jesus comes forward when his number's called. 102, here I am, he says. You know, hold on a second, John says. You should be baptizing me, not the other way. Around Jesus is so out of place because he has no need to repent or to turn away from the whole life because he's already turned towards it. He is headed in the direction already. No need of a restart, reboot, or life change. No need to commit because to getting better because he's already there. He's already there. So why does he do it? Why does Jesus submit to be baptized? Let it be so now, he says, for it is proper in this way for us to fulfill all righteousness. To fulfill all righteousness. This sounds very Christianese. Uh, it's not easy to understand exactly what that means. In fact, it's kind of debated in the history of interpretation. But I like what Origen, one of the early church writers, says. He says that by this act, Jesus showed himself to be meek and lowly in heart, coming to those inferior to him, doing all that followed in order to humble himself and became obedient until death. Jesus' baptism is a great act of humility. Jesus is revealing his nature as the suffering servant that Isaiah talks about in our Old Testament reading. The one who will not grow faint or be crushed, but the one who will be obedient to the end for the sake of the world. I mean, look what happens after he surfaces after John dunks him. I mean, the sky, it tears open. The Holy Spirit descends like a dove, diving down on Jesus, and it says it lights on him. Jesus gets lit, you know. <laughs> That's for the kids out there. <laughs> it ignites Jesus with the power of God. And the voice, a voice from heaven declares him to be God's beloved 
Son. Everything is coming at him in his baptism. Notice the difference. John's baptism was first about confessing and committing to start over, but with Jesus' baptism, God is in the mix. Rather than standing on the sidelines, you know, shouting, swim harder, he'll dive right in first, headfirst into the human condition to save us from the sea of sin and death, to bring God's saving love and presence to us. Jesus isn't baptized for his sake, but for our own sake. Baptism points to God's commitment to come to us, to be with us, and with him, the power to change us from the inside out. And really, this is the difference that's made baptism much more meaningful for me, because baptism isn't about my commitment, thank God, <laughs> literally, thank God, which I said failed pretty quickly after being pretty vague and pretty lukewarm to begin with. And if I'm really honest, it's a commitment that still fluctuates day to day and fails sometimes, fails sometimes rather spectacularly. Ask my children, ask my wife, ask my friends. But the fact that in my baptism, God has come to me, is with me and in presence and in power and has claimed me as her own forever, knowing this, that has changed me in ways that my own effort never could. It's brought me hope in times of fear, it's brought me strength in times of pain, and it's brought me courage in times of testing and temptation. And no, I still have a long, 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 long way to go. <clears throat> Through it, somehow, God has miraculously made me more humble and kinder and gentler and understanding in ways I didn't think possible. Through it, God's even made me better in ways that I never would have expected or believed could have happened that I never could have done on my own. Baptism isn't about my commitment, but about God's commitment to me. And really, what I'm talking about, the same thing I've experienced, the same thing is promised to you too. If you spend your life trying to live up to expectations, if you've got the idea that Christianity is all about your ability to get good and do right, it's the most powerful thing you can do, and you give up on that idea entirely. If you spend your life trying to be good and do right and falling short, if you've tried to be better and failed, even if you've never met a commitment you haven't decided to break, boy, do I have some good news for you. That there is a power greater than all of your failings. And one of the ways that that power comes to us is in baptism. To be baptized means that the heavens are open, that God comes to us, not the other way around. It means that 
God is with us in the water. God is for us in Christ in the world, meaning that we're not alone and we don't have to rely on our strength alone. And it means that God is at work in us, that the same Holy Spirit that lit up Jesus in his baptism is alive and active to bring about change in us when our lives seem all but unchangeable. The same Spirit that promises to make us new, even when we're just about dead. Even when we're dead. It isn't about our commitment to be good, which is fickle, faltering, and fails, but about God's incredible goodness, God's unflinching commitment to us, in Jesus Christ. So, later on in the service today, we're going to have an opportunity to come forward and remember our baptisms. If you've already been baptized, whether as a baby or as a teen or a week past retirement or a week before death, today, you're invited to come forward and remember your baptism and be thankful. And if you haven't been baptized, haven't yet been baptized, that's the language we like to use, you'll be invited to come to the water and receive a blessing just the same. And of course, with that comes the future invitation to baptism, the living water of Christ. Come on in, because the water's fine. For this, thanks be to God. Amen. We stand for wash us, God, for sons and daughters.